Good morning. Good to hear your voices. I won't name names, but a minutes ago somebody said to me, it's so much nicer to see you in person than on the screen. I thought, see, I prefer to look at pictures of you. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> um, it is great to see everybody, sincerely. I, I've missed you all. I know we've all missed each other. And um, before I begin, I know some people were acknowledged in the beginning, but I also would like to thank the Hall family for um, doing songs for us over these several weeks that we've been away. It's been 10 weeks. I'd also like to thank Doug Bauer, who came in and was recording the audio for my sermons. He had to laugh at my jokes for all of you, uh, but I appreciate, appreciate him and also giving CDs out to people for the messages. Um, certainly, I see everybody, and I didn't really have any doubts about this, but people are using wisdom in their distancing from people, and I know that we probably all have kind of a range of places where we feel with this whole virus. Some of us take it very, very seriously. Some of us don't think it's a big issue at all, and I'm sure many of you are where I am, kind of in the middle of all of that, but I think it's good to, to honor people, and um, so as tough as it is, yeah, to for the next few weeks, continue to with, withhold from shaking hands and hugging, and I know for some people that is basically torture, um, but... It's, uh, um, again, I think it's a good way to, to honor our neighbors, as tough as that is. Um, also, I know some people might not feel comfortable singing right now. I know there's been different articles that have been written on that subject. So if that's you, certainly um, we're trying to reserve some spaces in the back, either for people who are wearing masks or people who are refraining from singing or who might have... Significant underlying health conditions. You don't have to sit back there if that's the case, but we wanted to have some spaces reserved for that. Um, we're going to continue recording video of the sermons, especially for people who still don't feel that it's the right time to join us. And I, I know everybody understands that for, for people who um, are especially at risk. Um, passage this morning is from the book of Haggai. But before we get to that, would you please join me in a word of prayer? From Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast of the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Almighty and everlasting God, this is the day you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We praise you, Lord, for your church and for the opportunity to once again be together to worship you. We do continue to pray for your protection on our health. We pray for those who are not present with us this morning. We continue to pray for our community, state, nation, and world. We do continue, Lord, to pray for further treatments of this virus. We pray for Governor Pritzker and for President Trump. 
Lord, in times where we might have disagreement with our leaders on how to handle this terrible virus, may there be grace. Lord, we continue to ask that you would use this entire experience, a time where so many thousands of churches have been shut down, where there's so much fear, where millions have lost jobs, thousands have lost loved ones. Lord, we pray that this would be used by you to bring people to you. Lord, you are perfectly righteous and just. And it has been a dark week for our nation. Lord, for this man, George Floyd, who lost his life in Minneapolis on Monday, we do pray for justice. Lord, people throughout our nation are hurting as a result of this man's inhumane and evil treatment. Lord, may we all grieve this man's death. And we pray for your nearness to his family. Lord, we also pray for the great cities throughout this nation who have seen chaos, destruction, riots, and looting this week. Lord, we pray for peace in these communities and not for conflict and destruction. Lord, when we see brokenness in our world, may it remind us that this is not the world we were created for. That you are making all things new. That your son came into our world to preach the good news of the kingdom of heaven. Lord, when we see brokenness, let us be reminded of your righteousness. When we see darkness, let us shine as your light. When we see hatred, let us respond in love. Lord, may you bless us as we study your word. May this message from your word be used to sanctify us, to edify us, and to equip us to serve as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses, while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. This passage should sound familiar. It's the same passage that we looked at the last Sunday of last year. And I thought that this passage was appropriate for a time such as this. Just to give a reminder, to give a little bit of background of the book of Haggai. About 70 years before the time of Haggai, the southern kingdom of Israel had been conquered by the Babylonians in the year 586 B.C. And they had been expelled from their land. In the process of that, the temple had been destroyed. 
Keep in mind that the temple was the place which represented the presence of God with his people. It was also the center of religious activities, as it was at the temple where the priests offered sacrifices on behalf of the people. Forty-eight years later, the Babylonians were conquered by the Persians, and it was the Persians who eventually actually freed the Israelites and allowed them to return to the land for the purpose of rebuilding the temple. So we come to the book of Haggai. From the time of Israel's return, 20 years have gone by. Verse 1 says, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak the high priest. Haggai begins by tying this section of history to the rulers of the day. Verse 2, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. The people have not yet rebuilt God's house, referring to the temple. Twenty years had gone by since Israel had been freed, and yet they had still not begun the temple. Even though that was the reason why they had been freed in the first place. And that's why I selected this passage this morning, because I think it serves as a warning. It should have been a simple decision that the Israelites would have hurried in getting back to work. But instead, they said, the time has not yet come. What else were they waiting for? Verses 3 and 4. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins. They put it off. They took care of themselves and their needs first. They built their houses while they neglected God's house for 20 years. And we see the consequences of their interaction. Verses 5 and 6. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. The Lord has not blessed the works of his people. God's judgment is not always brimstone and fire or death and destruction. The people, though, are fruitless, never quite having enough. When that happens, that's not saying that it's always a judgment from the Lord. But here in this specific situation, God reveals that it is. The Israelites have made God take a back seat. And they're reaping the consequences of that. But there's a simple solution. Verses 7 and 8. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house. that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. Consider your ways. Think about your priorities and what you're doing. Put God first and build his temple. In verse 8, where God tells the Israelites to go up to the hills and bring wood, he's referring to the raw materials needed to build the temple. And the purpose of the temple, really the purpose of everything which God calls us to, is to glorify God in our lives. 
all along. Israel should have been building the temple, building God's house. But since they didn't, verse 8 gives them a reminder. God specifically tells them, build my house. Verse 9 takes them to their current situation. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with your own house. We won't prosper when we want to build our own kingdom first and then work on God's. Also, when we put our kingdom first, when we put our comfort first, when we put our goals first, when we put our projects first, there always seems to be one more thing that comes up, distracts us, takes up our time, takes away our energy. God must be number one. Verses 10 and 11. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld their dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. God is bringing judgment on Israel. The passage concludes that since they have neglected their spiritual needs, their physical needs are not being met. Drought and famine. Israel has been separated from their land for about 70 years. We haven't met as a church in 70 days. Israel returned to the land for the purpose of building the temple for the glory of God. As the temple was at the center of their worship, we too return to the church, our place of worship. We see from this passage the inaction on the part of Israel. Again, it's a prophecy given to Israel. But that doesn't mean that it's not still edifying and instructive for us today. As the Israelites return to Jerusalem to build the temple and then put that off, let us not put off God's work in our lives as his church. Israel was called upon to build the temple. And so are we. After the ministry of Christ in the New Testament, the church is the temple. Not the church building. The temple isn't about a building. In the Old Testament, it was the presence of God with his people. In the New Testament, it's the people of God who have been given the spirit of God who represent the hands and feet of God in the world. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? God works through his people, fallen as we are, imperfect as we are, to achieve his purposes, to share his gospel, to make disciples, to serve. While the temple of Jerusalem was in one place, God has used his new temple the church, to cover the whole world, to preach the gospel to every tribe and tongue and nation. 1 Peter 2.5 You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Build God's temple. Today, 
is a joyous occasion. Lord willing, today is a once-in-a-lifetime occasion. We should pray that there is never a time again in the history of this church where there is this disruption of our fellowship. Today is a joyous occasion. Coming back to church, worshiping together, seeing familiar faces. Again, it is great to see everyone today. It's a joyous occasion, but it's not a culmination. Today is not, well, we're back to church. It's all just happily ever after. It's not the end of the fairy tale. It's the beginning. In six months, a year, five years, ten years, twenty years, where will this church be? It's the last day of May 2020. Where will our future be? I know the policies of our governor were unpopular with many. But for the most part, churches across this state complied. While we can disagree with those decisions that the governor made, none of that was a surprise to God. And this is the day that the Lord has given us to return to worship him. And all throughout this great state, today for the first time in 10 weeks, 11 weeks, churches are coming together to worship. But where will our future be? Today is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to serve the Lord. It's an opportunity to reach people in our community. I've been praying every week that God would use all of this for revival and to bring people to himself. I ask you to join me in praying for that. Praying that this would be a time when people have had things shaken up and are looking for ultimate answers to the questions which matter most. Let us pray that this be a time that God would use to reach people in our community. But we have a role in that. We have to go to the people. We have to be willing to have conversations about our faith and share the truth. We have to be willing to be loving even when people are unlovable. We have to be willing to turn conversations to Christ. We have to be opportunistic in sharing our faith. We have to let our light shine in the community, in our household, in our workplace. It's an opportunity to look for new ways to serve in the church, to build God's house. It's an opportunity to continue growing in the knowledge of God and his word. It's an opportunity to approach worship in a more reverential and appreciative heart after it's been taken away from us all for so long. We should be happy today, happy to fellowship, happy to worship, happy to see familiar faces. But if we make today just about that, then we will not make the most of this opportunity. Jesus says in Matthew 9, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It's an opportunity. It's not a new opportunity, mind you. It's the same one that the church has had since the time of Christ. To be missional and being the hands of feet in Christ in our church in the world. That's not new. But it's a chance to be reinvigorated for the work that we have to do. There are times when someone overcomes something. Maybe it's a personal struggle. Maybe it's a serious health crisis. Maybe it's a near-death experience. You had your life before that. But sometimes those major moments in our lives can give us a new lease on life, on purpose, on gratitude. It doesn't always. 
but it's an opportunity. Just as it is an opportunity for us who have always been a church to more and more be the church that God wants us to be. That's not to discount the great work that this church has done in the community in, through supporting missions all over the world for the last 50 years. That's not to discount the fellowship and community that have been built here over the last 50 years. My point isn't to tear down what we've done. My point is that after we've lost a part of what matters most to us, after we've tasted the bitter flavor of separation, after we've had to spend too many Sundays at home by ourselves, that it is my prayer that we take this opportunity to more and more be the church and the people that God wants us to be. Let us be a church that builds up the church. Let us be a church that shines light in a dark world. Let us be a church that shares the good news for the glory of God. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and again for the people that we have. Father, we just continue to pray that we would be your church and shine your light and share your gospel and make disciples. In Jesus' name, amen.